The Birth Circle podcast features experts in all the nuanced areas of pregnancy, birth, and postpartum with the aim of helping women make the choices that will keep them safe, healthy, and empowered. We respect all birth choices and believe in supporting informed consent and evidence-based practices. Nothing said on this podcast should be taken as medical advice. You should always seek the advice of a competent professional for your care. Welcome to the Birth Circle podcast. This is Sarah with Birth Circle, and today I have Ricky Briner with me, and we are so excited to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I am thrilled to be here. And we're talking about how to take the fear out of childbirth. Exactly. That is my mission. So tell us about how you got started in this whole birth world, because um, we're all crazy who, who make this a profession. To, <laughs> to, no, no, we're not crazy. But what, what got your start? How, how did you get started with this whole career? Well, I was uh, getting a bachelor's degree in health promotion about 16 years ago, and I just started thinking about what is my dream job? What does that look like? And I just knew hands down that I wanted to work with moms and work with babies. And so as part of my degree, I needed an internship, and so I actually... Um, certified with Lamaze International to become a certified Lamaze instructor. And I just absolutely love every time I go to work, every time I teach a class, it's just very invigorating for me. Sometimes I come home and I, I can't fall asleep because I just love what I do so much. Um, after I had my first baby, our family was living in Phoenix, Arizona, and we had just moved there. And we didn't really know very many people in the community. And even though I knew a lot about birth and uh, newborn care, it was a really hard time for me after I had my first baby, Davin. And about four months postpartum, I started to have really intense uh, panic and anxiety attacks. Mm. And um, I just, I didn't know very many people. I was socially isolated. I wasn't getting a lot of sleep. I know I wasn't taking care of myself the way I needed to with my nutrition and my exercise. And so it was just a really hard time struggling with that uh, postpartum anxiety and panic. And I was terrified to be left alone with my sweet little guy. I was worried that something bad would happen to me if I was alone with him and then there wouldn't be anybody to care for oh, him. Oh, wow. Yeah, because postpartum anxiety, OCD, um, they they can show themselves, it shows in different ways for each, each person. Exactly. And that's, yeah. and that's how it manifests for me. And so I just uh, set out on this journey. I knew that what I was feeling was not normal and I wanted to get healthy again. And so it took about uh, eight months for me to completely climb out of that. I had to tackle things from every angle, nutrition, Sleep. I joined a neighborhood play group that was starting up so I could go to that mm -hmm. every Friday. And um, I also talked to a counselor and um, ended up taking some medication or medication mm -hmm. and experimented with that. And um, so eight months later, I started feeling so much better. And I just remember laying on my bed one day with my little Davin snuggling and just this overwhelming feeling coming over me that... I wanted to help other women mm -hmm. even more intensely than I was um, through their postpartum journey. And I wanted them to be prepared postpartum and I wanted them to feel supported. Mm -hmm. And if they felt the way I did, I wanted to help them through their journey. Um, and I didn't want anybody to have to suffer as much as I did. And so um, that led me to be a postpartum partum doula, which I, I love that work as well. So I've been in this business for about 15 years. So a granny. A gra I'm I know, I know. <laughs> no. We just joke. I mean, because there's a, there's a lot of turnover in, yeah. in the professional side of this birth work. It is. So it's to, to be strong for 15 years, 16 years, it's pretty cool. I bet you've seen yeah. your babies that you coached their moms 16 years ago. Like they're... Yes. <laughs> Yes, they they have high schoolers now. Yeah. They, have, they have it's it's crazy. In fact, you can call me a grandma. I had a client that um, I was a postpartum doula for, and they had a three year old little boy, and he wasn't quite sure what to call me, and so he asked if he could call me grandma. <laughs> I thought, oh, you know what, I'm I'm cool with that. <laughs> we're not that old, guys. We're not that old. By some definition, we're almost millennial. 
Yes. But I thought I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> no, we are millennial by some dimension. Oh my goodness. That's too we're funny. Old millenn- we're the oldest millennials. We're, we're we are. Zennials. 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 <laughs> kind of that, what, 1979 to 1983. It's a legit right? generation. It is. It is. Yes. <laughs> um, so tell me, you, you said you had your... You told me before we started recording that you were a Kappa trained. So what does Kappa mean? So Kappa is Childbirth and Postpartum Professional Association. And so they are just a really um, reputable organization that trains childbirth educators, labor doulas, postpartum doulas. And so I just knew I wanted to have the highest and the best credentials available and so I completed their their training last year, and um, I'm actually submitting all of my certification paperwork. I'm all done. I took the test. I passed the test and everything. I just have to submit my paperwork, and I should be officially a trainer certified. Well, a certified postpartum doula. Oh, postpartum doula. Yes. I would love to be a trainer. That's so. What's, what's the difference goals. between um, a doula and a postpartum doula? Yeah, a lot of people I think are more familiar with a labor and birth right. doula. So, but postpartum doula, oh my goodness, I just feel like it should be covered by insurance. I feel like, or just covered as part of your, you know, when you pay your care provider for all the care they give you in labor. Yeah. I think they should just add on the postpartum. I mean, they have the prenatal. <laughs> I know it should just be covered because it's so important. So, a postpartum doula is uh, we are essentially there to mother the new mother after she has the baby. We are there to do everything we can to support her emotional and physical recovery. And that way, um, when mom is cared for, she has more energy and she is feeling better. And then that spills into the entire rest of the family Mm -hmm. and helps her to thrive with her newborn. So that being said, postpartum care can look different for every single family. You know, some mothers... um, want us to come in and mom wants to take a shower and she wants to, you know, take a nap. And so we are experts at newborn care. And so we can go in and help care for the newborn Mm -hmm. and fold some laundry, tidy up the kitchen, you know. So you're not just a maid. You're not just a nanny. No, You come in with specific training, knowing exactly how to support the mom in, in this postpartum period. Absolutely. Very specific skill set. Expert in newborn care. We also have extensive training with breastfeeding. So we can help uh, walk mom through getting the baby latched on. We could take a look at a latch and say, you know, here, um, you know, I do, I let, let's, let's take baby off and let's, let's try to get baby mm-hmm. latched on. We can um, give suggestions if mom is experiencing engorgement or some of those, um, common breastfeeding issues. Of course, we definitely have a scope of practice. So we definitely know if there's a circumstance where we need to refer to a certified lactation consultant and we will do that. But we can kind of say, this is normal. You know, this is how often your baby needs to Mm -hmm. eat. Okay. How many wet diapers did your baby have? Yes. It looks like they are getting enough. Um, So that's a really unique skill set that we bring. Um, And we are, we're very um, trained in um, recognizing um, any postpartum um, depression or mood disorders Mm -hmm. and um, armed with resources and information to be able to help just guide mom through that postpartum journey. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So we were, we were joking a little bit about how old we are earlier, but, (laughs) but this is actually something that you kind of specialize in is understanding how, um, the trends have changed in childbirth and like, we're not birthing like our moms did or our grandmas. We're birthing sometimes a little bit more like our great grandmas did. Actually, it's kind of coming back <laughs> coming full, full circle, circle right? in yeah. some ways, so, for sure. So, since you've been in your whole career, what changes have you seen between the needs um, and the desires of moms birthing? Absolutely, a lot of changes, and I think it's really important um, as an educator to be in tune with the needs of your learners and your clients. It's not about the way that I think things need to be done. It's about what their needs are and how they learn best and customizing my classes to um, how they're going to learn the very best because they, they need the information and the information is essential and important. But if my class is so boring and so outdated that they don't want to come. Yeah, are you still using VHS tapes to show videos? <laughs> Actually, when I first started teaching, that is so funny. I had to make sure that we were using VHS tapes yep. to show birth films. So I'd get to class super early and make sure that the tape was all rewound and then have to fast forward the little copyright section and get it to just the right part so that I could I'm feeling like elementary school. <laughs> yep. So back then, 
then, I mean, the kind of birth films that you could show in class were pretty, probably pretty medical. You didn't have the cinematic birth films that we get to watch right. nowadays, right? Right. And I think that's one um, really big change with um, families that are beginning today is they have grown up with technology. They have grown up in an audiovisual uh, world. Mm-hmm. And so that is really crucial to their learning and they need that. So I definitely incorporate a lot of PowerPoint, um, any videos that I show, you know, they're not 35 minutes long, like back in the yeah. day, you know, when we had a 35 minute birth film, you know, now it's, it's much shorter and it's um, more sensory yep. oriented totally. uh, for their learning. And then what we can do after that is we can have a really great discussion after the video and pick out all the different things, all the different learning points that are essential that they can then incorporate yeah. into their birth. So that's, that's one um, big change. I just think that today's learners are audiovisual and they're also very hands-on experiential mm-hmm. learners. We know that people remember things the most when they do them and mm-hmm. when they are hands-on. And so I really try to keep my classes, you know, interesting and keep people engaged. And we do hands-on activities and we practice um, relaxation exercises. We practice um, partner supporting mom. Mm-hmm. We have, you know, a mock labor and, and walk through everything so that when they are really there, they know exactly what to yeah, do. Yeah. Yeah. They're not like, what did she say? Get out right. the notebook. Right. So, um, back to, to films, what are these, um, subtle things that you can learn from watching birth films? Well, I think, um, one thing that I'll do is we'll talk about all the different phases of labor, you know, because as labor progresses, mom's going to be feeling differently um, in early labor versus transition labor, right before when things are really intense, right before she begins mm-hmm. pushing. And so her needs, because she's feeling differently, are going to be different for how we need to comfort her and what comfort measures are going to be effective. So like, for example, light touch is so helpful during early labor, it just really releases a lot of oxytocin. Mm-hmm. In, that love hormone that a light touches you're doing the light touch but this <laughs> yeah. is a podcast that's right but that's it's right it's I'm gentle just, like gentle yeah. stroking gentle with the hair and and caressing right but that can feel really annoying to mom yeah I was in transition <laughs> don't touch me <laughs> she will let you but know early if she yeah if she doesn't like that she might need just a complete change of pace um getting into the tub or a deeper massage or massaging her feet or her ankles or her hands and so um we'll walk through all the phases of labor and discuss those in detail but then in watching even a cinematic type birth film we can pick out, okay, tell me how you knew when mom was in early labor. Tell me how you mm-hmm. knew when this mom was in transition. What coping techniques that we have learned did you see her using? How is partner supporting her? And all of a sudden, all the dots start to get connected mm-hmm. and they get ideas for different things that they can do. And then we do a hands-on practice session and they put all of that into practice. That's even better than what I said. I, I tell people, if you watch enough birth videos, it's like inception. It gets down into like the core of your being. You can't unsee. Uh-huh. You can't unsee yeah. an empowered birth. You can't. And when yours Love then that. doesn't become, isn't empowered because of some external reason, you know that it wasn't your fault. Your body's not broken. You're not broken. And so I just have always encouraged people to watch birth films, watch good birth films, like on Birth Circle or um, just a a filmmaker that has a lot of good empowered films because um, films can also scare you. So just be careful (laughs) and just watch the ones that, I mean, because you can have a a labor and a birth that are a little bit... um, more intense, but the way it's portrayed on video can completely change. Absolutely. Um, and, and oh, just, we were talking about this before we started recording, but I had one of my footages, one of my films stolen and re-edited to show that, you know, you're going to die in childbirth. And it was, it was really, really bad. And they were using my empowered home birth film to show that the woman was dying. And I was like, how interesting that you could re-edit that footage. But Sorry, I digress. Um, but watching films and, and picking yes. those parts out, you take it a step further and practicing those and discussing those and then that it really becomes solid. Well, and I just think you hit on something really important. A lot of women, when they come to my classes, they are scared because 
what is it when you get pregnant? Everybody wants to tell you their horror story, yeah. the worst thing that happened to them or someone that they know. Why is that? Well, we, that's what I we talk know. about at baby showers is whose nipples bled the most and who ripped right? from front to back all the way. <laughs> why, why do you do, we do that we... to each other? I don't know. Is it like this, this, uh, well, my birth was ex- like, does it, do we feel like we are less valuable as humans if our birth is better than it's not as dramatic I I don't know I I don't know why so women do they are so nervous but I think um my mission is really to take the fear out of birth because I think that if women can get in tune with the fact that your body was uniquely and perfectly designed to do this Mm -hmm. if we can tap into that inner wisdom birth will go better. We will trust our bodies and we will trust the process. That doesn't mean that everything will go exactly as we want it to. There's a lot of outside forces that play into things, but if we can uh, tap into that wisdom, it will just help us through the Mm -hmm. entire process and lessen the anxiety and for partner too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I definitely agree with empowered birth films for sure. I think you can edit a birth film to make it look any way you want. And so we need to kind of counteract all those negative things we hear with really positive birth stories. Yeah. So how do couples make time to come to your classes? Because things are, I mean, yes, the, you, you're, you're talking about how learners change and how, I mean, everything is tech, 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 but I, you're not the first one that told me your classes are still mostly in person. And yeah. why is that? I love an in-person face-to-face class, but I do definitely think that online classes are so valuable. You know, the parents of today, you know, they have information at their fingertips, which is amazing. Yeah. Which is yeah. So why would wonderful. anybody have the time or the money to take right, a class? Right. But I'm playing think, devil's advocate yeah, here a But I bit. think it's so important because unfortunately, you know, well, the good thing is, is that couples come to my classes and they have all these questions like, okay, I've already researched delayed umbilical cord clamping, which is where you clamp the cord, you know, um, not just immediately Mm -hmm. right after the baby is born. Um, And there are some research benefits that have been shown for that. So they come asking questions about that or, you know, what should I put in my birth plan or how do I prevent a cesarean? So that's wonderful. But I do think because we have information at our fingertips, we may not always be getting the most reliable evidence-based information. Mm -hmm. And so I think a childbirth class is still invaluable because I am there as a guide. I can show you, okay, here's some research studies on that and here, here what you found. Yes, that is actually Mm -hmm. accurate. Or, okay, that, you know, that what you're hearing, that argument isn't really supported by the research. Here's some articles on this that you can read. And so we can really be a guide to help families sift through the enormous, overwhelming amount of information. But also having other couples in a cohort. I mean, yes. I just say pregnancy, everybody else's pregnancy is like 15 minutes. You yes. know, when you're pregnant yourself, it's like <laughs> five years, right? And so you're only, you're in this phase very short compared to your other friends' lives. And it's hard. I mean, if you, even if your friend had a baby last year, you can still say, what had, it's a little fuzzy, you know, things yeah. are, especially yes. in the newborn life. So being with a cohort, being with other Um, people in the same class that are going through the same experiences. I bet that's pretty valuable too. Absolutely. It's really neat to see them connect with each other and say, oh, you know, I get leg cramps too. You know, are you having heartburn? Yes. Here's some ideas. Here's what I've done. And what's beautiful is some of the couples in my classes have just become longtime friends too. Mm -hmm. You know, they've had little mini reunions with each other or, you know, they've gotten together, they've connected on social media and, and stayed connected, which I think is so important. You're going through this life-changing event together and you can really be a support for that leading up to that event, but after too. Perfect. Really exciting. So um you um you mentioned that learning has changed, but how about parenting styles? Yes. I have seen the funnest shift. Is <laughs> funnest a word? <laughs> most yeah, 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 most but- funnest. <laughs> So I have actually seen a really cool shift um, over probably the last seven or eight years. What I have seen is partners and dads have turned it up a notch. And I've talked to other educators that feel like they have noticed the same thing. These partners and these dads that come to class, they just... 
they want to be the best parents possible. They want to be really involved. And so like my newborn care classes have been so fun because they are just right there every moment, just hanging on every word. There's no like cliche, oh, daddy doesn't like diapers type thing. It's Yes, they're right they in there. They are right there. They are right there. They're I probably do. right there in the breastfeeding too. They want to yeah, know like do. how this is how working, to help, how, how to, to help. support. Yeah. And so that's been really exciting. I mean, not to say that partners and um, fathers were not, you know, super involved before. I think they've always been great, but they've just stepped it up a notch. And so mm-hmm. it makes me excited for babies that are being born to such great parents right now. I think they want to just be the best that they possibly I think, can be. I think here I'm going to go a little, not really political, but I think as, as people are trying to struggle to redefine family or what family is, I think that the the positive that, of that is that families are looking, because I'm seeing this not just with the dads, but uh-huh. with the moms and the sisters, um, babies born to single moms. Like yeah. people are forming families like they never did before. They're, they're not, there's not shunning. There's not like, there's not expecting the mom to just kind of get back in her size one jeans and, and yeah be preppy peppy the next day like families are does this make any sense I feel like I'm just excited no, about the it, thought of it does we're seeing a lot of different families mm-hmm. looking a lot of different ways and it's kind of like there's no right or wrong way to give birth. yeah we just need to support and we need to love each other and we need to create a space where any expecting family can come learn how to give that baby the best start possible you know, you cannot spoil a newborn baby. And so we just need to create space where families Say can just that fill that with again. love. You cannot spoil you a newborn. You also cannot spoil a new postpartum mom. Yes, you can't. <laughs> you can't. It's it's impossible. It's impossible. You can't do too much. And I just think moms should spoil themselves too. Postpartum plan to spoil yourself because mm-hmm. if you take care of yourself in those first few weeks and first few months, you will feel so much better. Like not even just not a spoil like in a in a um guilty pleasure no, type of way, but no. in a just a self-care way. Like yes. plan on if you can being home as much. Even even if you have to work, plan on giving yourself more time in bed to watch <laughs> call the <Yes>. midwife. <laughs> yes. And giving yourself permission. I think mm-hmm. sometimes we put so many expectations on ourselves to, you know, just pick up right where we left off when the baby comes and fulfill all our new role, you know, as a, as a new mom. And we just need to give ourselves permission. Mm-hmm. You know what? I'm going to put off all those tasks that I needed to get done this afternoon. And I am going to take a nap because my baby's napping and that's going to help me be a better mother Mm -hmm. and a better partner or a better employee later on, because I have taken care of myself right now in this moment. And I think we just don't give ourselves permission to do that. We have such high expectations of ourselves. And I think lowering your expectations postpartum will just, it will help you recover. And I've actually seen um, this firsthand in a lot of the uh, postpartum support groups that I've run, and this is backed up by statistics and research. Um, a lot of times postpartum depression peaks at around three to four months postpartum. And the moms that have attended my support group that really take care of themselves for the first Mm -hmm. month or so, those are the moms at three or four months. They are just feeling better. They're thriving. The moms that try to do too much right in the beginning, they don't take care of themselves. They ignore their mm-hmm. needs. Those are the moms at three or four months when things they kind of burn out. Apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm thinking about um, the connection of fear and trauma. So first, first something traumatic happens uh-huh. and then you relive it. And then when you tell the story, you invoke fear in others because they don't want to repeat. And I'm just wondering like the connection between um the self-care, I'm just kind of go there with me here, the self-care that, that it leads to trauma, which then leads to fear. So it's kind of a vicious cycle that, that if you um, have a traumatic experience, sometimes it's from just external, like the expectations that you have to jump right back into work or family expectations that you need to behave a way or a certain way or guilt because you're not breastfeeding a certain way or, and that all that trauma leads to then your stories, which then evokes fear. Because where does, I mean, a brand new mom who's never given a birth, where's the fear coming from? It's, well, just from, I think a lot of it is just unprocessed feelings. I think one thing that's really important for new mothers, um, they've been finding um, journaling is so therapeutic and helpful because sometimes we get going throughout our day, we're so busy, we're not even aware of, you know what? 
I didn't really like this one particular experience with my birth and I'm feeling really down about the way that things went. Or maybe, you know, breastfeeding was really painful at first and it just didn't live up to your expectations and you just didn't know how to get the support you needed and you're feeling really down. Mm -hmm. And so we beat ourselves up about it or we're not even aware of those feelings. And then those feelings get deposited somewhere in your body and then they have to surface somehow. Your body's got to get rid of it. And so sometimes they do, they show up as depression and anxiety and um, some like obsessive or repetitive thoughts. And so they're actually finding that when a mom postpartum takes time with pen and paper, because there's a huge mindfulness connection and writes down her thoughts and feelings about her birth or her thoughts and feelings about Mm -hmm. her day, that she is then releasing those feelings and it can boost mood, decrease depression. Um, It also can boost your immune system. The research showed that those moms were sick less. Yes. Can you believe that? So there is a huge mind-body connection and it's just important. And that's why even postpartum doula work or if you have a close friend or, you know, a partner and you can set aside time every day to talk about the good and the bad and be completely honest with your feelings, then you will be able to, um, you know, more successfully navigate that postpartum period. Yeah. So I'm glad you hit on that. Yeah. So when you had um, your postpartum with your first baby, did you, you said you knew that something was off. What, how did you know something was off? How did you not get lost in the cloud? You know, it was one of those things I peaked. My um, symptoms occurred about three or four months postpartum. Um, so I think up until that point, I was not aware. I felt more revved up inside. I didn't feel like I could ever get to this like completely calm place. So I, mm. I knew I didn't quite feel like myself, but I wasn't really aware and recognizing it. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't until about three week or three months, three and a half, four months postpartum that um, I just started having kind of some irrational fears. And my husband just said, you know, I just feel like this is, so maybe, you know, maybe it was even him, a combination yeah. of me recognizing mm-hmm. it and him pointing it out. He just, I, I, we had somebody come and fix something in the house and I was like worried that maybe he had unlocked windows or something while he was there. And so yeah, it's pretty go, irrational. Yeah, right. Like we needed to go at night and just check all the windows. You <gasps> and know? your husband's and like, oh no. Like, this is kind of, this is different. And then very soon after was when the full on like panic attack started to occur. And I just felt like, oh no, something's happening to me, you know, cause my heart would race and yeah. my throat would go numb. Oh my and, gosh. It's just really most frightening. Mm-hmm. It is. It is so, so that was, I think it was a common, I think that's important for partners to mm-hmm. recognize um, all of these symptoms because sometimes mom may not be fully aware that this is happening. And so partner can lovingly say, you know, I just, I really feel like I'm saying this because I love you. I feel like something is happening that is, doesn't feel like you mm-hmm. and I want to help you. Let's, let's go make an appointment together. And how can I help you? Do you need to go take a nap? Let me, yeah. let me take over the baby care right now and you go rest and take a shower and you know, let's, let's support you. For me, I was afraid to admit that to my partner. It's I was hard. afraid. Like, I mean, of all the people that should not judge me or be worried, I was, one of my irrational fears was that they would find out that I was an evil person, evil, and that I was, um, that I didn't deserve my baby. And that, like, that was one oh of my, my fears. Goodness. So then it's, <laughs> oh my right? goodness, it is, it's so, but it's so real. And that's, you are not alone in that. Fear. No, I think some, mm-hmm. so many women feel that isolation and they feel like, Oh, everyone's going to think I'm a crazy person. What if they take my baby away? And I think if I could tell moms anything, I would just say, number one, you're not alone. This happens to 20% of women mm-hmm. at some point, either during well, I pregnancy think it's more or than that. After. I think it's un- undiagnosed. Yeah, you're probably right. But when you say like right. isolation, we not only culturally isolate ourselves, but but emotionally, I mean, I had people yeah. around me I had a sister living with me, my husband, obviously living with me, mm-hmm. my mom coming and going. And so so socially, I was not alone, but in my head, I felt completely isolated. Well, and sometimes you have thoughts or feelings that feel really scary to share. Um, sometimes with postpartum depression or um, an obsessive compulsive disorder, a mom can actually have repetitive thoughts of hurting herself, cutting herself or driving the car off the road. I know Brooke Shield talks about, yeah. she kept fantasizing driving her car off the road with a baby in it. And she knew that she would never follow through with that. 
but those thoughts were really scary and she was so afraid to share those. And so yep. I just, I do love that we are giving more attention to um, mental health postpartum and during pregnancy, because I'm hoping that it will create a safe place where women feel comfortable sharing, or at least, you know, in a prenatal class, you can learn all of those symptoms mm-hmm. and then you can say, okay, this is what I'm having. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that I'm a bad person at yeah. all. In fact, if you recognize that you're having those person those feelings, it usually means that you're not crazy, but just might mean that you need some support. Yeah. And the thing with postpartum depression is that it's highly, highly treatable. Yeah, that's the other thing that makes me crazy is that, yeah, we have such a stigma about mental illness as, yeah. as, as a, as a culture. And yet, um, postpartum mental illness is a little different. It's it a is. little different than a chronic, a chronic yes. schizophrenia or a chronic, I mean, I don't, I guess I should probably not label, but things that you, you battle your entire life, right. Other postpartum mental health, mental health issues, they are not, they don't necessarily have to be chronic. I mean, I think if you have other issues underlying, they can exacerbate them. But mm-hmm. here I'm not talking from a, guys, I'm not a doctor. Right. I know. <laughs> but neither, just from working with hundreds of moms and what they, their stories, they, they sound a lot like yours and a lot like mine. Like, I thought I was going to die and the monsters were going to come in my windows. And and then at like six months, they all went away. (laughs) I know it it is. It happens to more people. It's actually the number one complication of childbirth Mm -hmm. is a postpartum mood disorder. So we need to realize that we are not alone in this and it's okay to share. People are not going to take your baby away. Mm-hmm. Um, you are, you are a good mom. And this is highly, like you said, highly treatable compared with other um, mental health issues. And sometimes it's not even like a lot of people are nervous with medication. Although I am a huge proponent because for me, it was, it was absolutely life-changing. Um, I didn't necessarily find it uh, the first you know, smoking gun with the first medication I took, it took a little while to figure things out. And that is usually the case, but you can treat this with, you know, getting exercise mm-hmm. and joining a support group, talking to a counselor, um, just getting more sleep and having a healthier diet, mm-hmm. attacking this from multiple angles. The other thing that I heard at a conference, and I just love this, um, is you really postpartum, even if you're not experiencing a mood, um, any mental health issues, you should be spending at least one hour per week doing something you love to do that is mm. considered self-care. Showering and going to the gym and working out do not count. Oh, I was like, showering is such a big, how about the length of the shower? That could make it, that could be a self-care thing. Maybe, maybe, but I still don't count it. It needs to be something that maybe connects you to your prior self or, you know, before life, before you had baby or just something you absolutely love. Art. Yeah. Music. um, Community, social things. Hiking, cooking. Yeah. Something uninterrupted. How about self-care time? Sleeping. Yeah. Well, no, that doesn't count. Oh, that's just like your no, basic. That's sleeping. like food and water. <laughs> more sleeping. Maybe like a total like a relaxing nap, <laughs> where, but where you are like totally free from worries. Somebody's mm-hmm. got the baby. Yeah, that's that sounds you, gourmet. Somebody you totally trust. Yeah. I mean, and I maybe. give that to myself, and I have an eight-year-old, so I'm like <laughs> Sunday mornings. Those are my... (laughs) Oh, I'm a big believer in naps. You can just ask my family. (laughs) It's self-care, honeys. It is. It is. Makes me a better mom. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Nice mommies clocking out. Me mommy needs a nap. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. There are so many things that... And having the partners and the the people in the mom's life recognize... Absolutely. ...what's going on. And I think also... I remember after one baby, I had so much fear about having another baby because of the experience that I had just gone through. Wow. And my midwife listened and she provided this amazing support that I couldn't even know that I had needed. I couldn't have gone in there and said, I need my bridge clean. I need Uh (laughs) my mood is directly (laughs) connected to the status of the cleanliness of my bridge. Um, It's kind of a joke in our family. Um, but, But how she helped me. Um, and so that last baby, there was no, there's no postpartum, um, mood problems. And I mean, it's still like having a baby is a big deal, but no intrusive thoughts. No. I love it. And it's because she was one of my support. Uh huh. She stepped in and she knew how to support you. And it all started with a clean fridge. I love, I love that. We could like 
write an article on that. It all begins with a clean fridge. It totally but does. For me, you know, just someone who struggles with anxiety in general, I think um, if I can have a visual calm in mm-hmm. my world, then I feel more able to be present and give myself permission to then connect with my baby. And so I think when moms are planning for the postpartum period, if you know that about yourself, mm-hmm. yes, you know, enlist help and have a plan. You know, I just... I need the kitchen counter to be clean and the laundry to be done for me to feel like I can just relax and, and, and get yourself that support, you know, whoever it is that can give that to you. I know what, I know what I want to ask you. You ready? Brace yourself. I'm ready. (laughs) Um, how this experience that we have, because we're in a different birthing generation, our experiences are different. The way we learn is different. Our technology is different. Everything's different. What do you think about how we can bridge the gap between the past generation and kind of dissolve some of that fear. For example, um, I've had conversations with my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, my joke was, I told her one day recently, okay, so I've ha- I have teenagers, right? And But I recently <laughs> said, mother, thank you for the sacrifice you made to birth me through your vagina so that I could get properly, properly um, my gut could be properly pollinated or flipped. Yes, you know. right? And Microbiome. My, yeah, I used a much more better word. Anyway, and she looked at me, she's like, what? And I was like, no, really. I know my birth was really hard. I'd like, my birth was very traumatic yes. to my mother. But I just wanted to personally thank you for pushing me out of your vagina. And she was like, I almost had to be obnoxious about it to uh-huh. get like the message through. Because if I tried to like say, hey mom, in my new age um, enlightenment, I realized the sacrifice you made and I want, it wouldn't have, you right. know, right. I don't know. And so how, how, what about conversations? Like how, we talk about the providers or um, the support systems like moms and friends need to be there and watch the signs. But what about having a dialogue? Like how was your birth mom? What was your birth with me like? I love that sharing birth stories because we can learn so much from each other. You know, I was actually talking to my grandmother the other day and she was telling me how she, you know, with all five of her children, uh, fathers at the time were not allowed in the birth room. And so I can't even imagine, yeah, you know, and she, and, and, you know, they really didn't have, I think at some point they may have used a little bit of nitrous oxide from what she was describing. She didn't know what it was called, but, um, you know, she did all of those naturally by herself and there wasn't, you know, doula support or her sister couldn't be with her or it was just a, a completely different time. And so we can learn so much wisdom from what they went through and the Mm -hmm. strength that they had in their generation. Um, And so I think asking questions about, you know, what what kind of questions, yeah, specific questions. How did you guys diaper your babies, you know? And, you know, what, how did you learn how to breastfeed? And what type of questions can you ask that, that allows that older generation? And we're talking, I mean, friends, yes, but like your, your mothers and your grandmothers, what questions can you ask that will, open up the dialogue, but not put them feeling unsafe. I think a good way to go about it actually would be to just say, can you tell me about your birth experiences and what you remember? I think that, you know, my grandmother and my mother, I guess my mother's even a little more open than my grandmother, but I think my grandmother, she's, you know, 86 years old and, you know, they don't, they, they are not as comfortable sharing a lot of those personal details. My mother, I think would be a little bit more, more open, Um, but just giving them a safe space to share what they are comfortable sharing and just be very non-judgmental. You can ask, you know, further questions if they feel comfortable sharing, maybe Mm -hmm. say, hey, do you feel comfortable sharing more about that? It's okay if you don't. Um, I think we can learn a lot of wisdom from Mm -hmm. the things that that they went through. And I also think um, some of the older generation, they didn't really have the chance. There were things that weren't talked about in that time period. And so I actually think it can be really healing for them to actually talk about some of those things and some of those emotions that maybe they've never really even had the chance to process. So it can kind of bridge that gap between the two generations. I think that's the case that there's a lot of unprocessed yeah, birth pain that then goes to the next generation and the next generation. I heard somewhere, I don't know that's substantiated, but I heard that you repeat your birth story because, um, my, my birth with my first baby was actually very similar to my mom's birth with Mm -hmm. me. And I was like, huh, is that really, (laughs) is that really a thing? But I I do believe that the expectations of birth and the culture surrounding birth does get passed through generations. Absolutely. And so one of the ways to break that chain is to go up and ask Uh mom and grandma 
Yeah. And give them a space to heal. And then also it stops with me. No more birth trauma. My daughters yeah. won't, right. you know, won't. I mean, everybody has their, their own challenges, but um, my daughters are going to have a very different experience than I did. Well, and I love that. You know, you can release any negative feelings that you've had and yeah. cope with those that you can be fully present for them. Um, the other thing that I think is just so important is for parents to actually have a written postpartum plan and to sit down and share that with anybody that's going to be providing a lot of support. So if your mother or your grandmother or your sister, um, mother-in-law is going to be in your home spending a lot of time with you, I think sitting down and showing them your written postpartum plan, here's what we are planning to do, here's my plan mm-hmm. for rest, here's different and things w- you What if your family with. still thinks that rest is lazy? Then you can just send them to me. <laughs> There's your plan. Do you have a um, birth assistant? I mean, um, so I know this course. girl, Ricky. That yeah. You can, can you just call her? She'll talk to you. No, because really, actually, no, I know. It, I know. It, it, you have this, we, we drill into people. You must have a birth plan. You must have a birth plan. And now it's, you must have a postpartum plan. Mm-hmm. You must have a postpartum plan. But if you are in a culture um, where your family does not believe that, that rest after pregnancy, after birth is a worthy cause. Yeah. Well, I think, aye, aye, aye. I think, you know, I, I mean, you have to look at the the family dynamics there. I mean, maybe there's a chance that you could discuss that and the research behind, you know, they have actually found that lack of sleep and fatigue is highly linked to postpartum depression. Oh yeah. Without um, a doubt. One of the number one predictors. So we need moms to have a plan for rest and sleep after baby comes. But if you find yourself in a situation where a family member, um, is more like a visitor when they're at your house versus <laughs> must, a helper. Has, must uh-huh. host them. Yeah. yeah, and I learned that in my Kappa doula training um, from my amazing trainer. You need to have clear boundaries. And so you need to be thinking for the first two weeks mm-hmm. postpartum, you only allow helpers to come over. And this is really difficult. I just want to like hard. all of the people listening going, but the gaslighting that happens in my family, but the guilt and the passive aggressive behavior. I mean, I read these stories that moms are in these situations and they say, but she won't leave or she just, my mother-in-law keeps coming over. I mean, even they, she, they feel like they have to move and not leave a forwarding yeah. address because of how bad the situation is. And it's, it's just, because it's, generational and it's, yeah, it's so toxic. It's not like just because you had a baby because now even more, you have a baby, you're in this vulnerable position and now you're expected to like, to have boundaries with your mother-in-law and, or your mother, and you've never had them before. It's like, how do you even navigate that? How do you navigate that? (laughs) It is so tricky, but that's why I think if you plan ahead of time and you are proactive versus reactive, your results are going to be that that much better. So if you have a plan and you say, you know what, we actually, for the first two weeks, we're going to baby moon. Yeah, we are. We are having Mm -hmm. a baby moon and you can put this on, you know what, my, my midwife or my care provider. Oh, I love that. Make them the bad guys. Midwives love love being being the bad bad guy. (laughs) They do. Or my post. Mom, my said. midwife said <laughs> that um, we need a baby moon. She's going to care for us. And so yeah. you can come visit two weeks after the baby's born. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Set your, set whatever boundaries it is. And you know what? If, if you feel like that is just going to be too much, maybe you say, you know what? We would love for you to come and bring dinner. Give her an opportunity to help, but make it a clear when you come you know, can you bring dinner for us? And we'd love for you to get to spend some time with the baby. Um, and you know, maybe what? nobody yeah. ever brought me dinner. Why would I want to bring you dinner? Oh man, these conversations are hard and they I just want to validate so hard. So, hard. They, so are, hard. they are so hard, but you, it is so critical. If you mm-hmm. take care of yourself for those first couple of weeks, you are, you're going to feel so much better and we need mm-hmm. to give ourselves permission. This is what I need. You are, you are a new mom. Mm-hmm. You have very, very important needs. And I, and they override sometimes the needs of of your family at that point. Wait, wait, it's wait, okay wait, to have wait, boundaries. Wait, what? Yes, your needs are yes. more important than your your family's yes. needs. You are recovering <laughs> from giving birth. Yes, you are establish. If you're breastfeeding, you are establishing mm-hmm. a milk supply. You were pregnant for you know uh, forty weeks, and your body needs to rest mm-hmm. and recover and heal. Now, I'm going to say after about two weeks, two to four weeks, you're going to want visitors to come, mm-hmm. helpers slash 
visitors. <laughs> yeah, that's you're where you don't want to be isolated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so at that point, maybe schedule, you know, somebody mm-hmm. to come in and bring dinner. And um, I even tell people to put a little sign on their door. It's called Newborn Care Rules, and it just says, "Welcome to our house." You know, if you give the baby a kiss, it equals unloading the dishwasher. <laughs> if you post a picture of our baby on social media with you, it equals folding a load of laundry. Oh, I Has, love like, all that. These cute little things, but it's humorous. how to earn points. Yes. Yeah, how to earn points. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's not, it's more humorous, but it reminds people as they walk in, oh, you know what they do. I need to offer help. Yeah. I really love that. And that's a way you don't, you're not passive aggressive and you're yeah. not, you know, but you can, yeah. And then if there's somebody in your circle that refuses to learn this, then I think the most important thing is still just to care for yourself. Like, yes. okay, yes, this person's not getting the message. Don't yes. beat yourself up about it. Yes. Oh, the other thing is getting the partner on board. Yes, getting partner on board, mm-hmm. go through the postpartum plan together. And that's where um, a great childbirth class can really help to educate them on, you know, what mom's needs are going to be mm-hmm. and what partner's needs are going to be and how you can help support well, each and, other. Yeah, support each other. But like, hey, yeah. babe, I know this is, I know I'm going to be crazy. Will you just yeah. remind me when I need a shower? Yeah. Maybe will yeah. you shower me for me? <laughs> You might really like that, you know, <laughs> but just, yeah, just, and, and when you need it. a break, will you please tell me and, yes. and warn me and you're going to go out with your buddies tonight so that, you know, I can get some popcorn yeah. and a good movie and you can go do your guide time. And like, I think that's an, a, an amazing opportunity to, um, build your relationship. Absolutely. I think a lot of times dads get kind of the, the first one is because it completely changes your marriage and your sex life your everything life, yes. <laughs> your budget. Things change and, a lot. Yeah. And to have these conversations in the baby moon period about, you know, how are we going to do this together? Yeah. Well, and I think I actually listened to um, an amazing counselor give a presentation on your relationship postpartum and strengthening that. And, oh, it was just so enlightening. He said, we walk throughout our day and sometimes we, we like suppress all of our needs as a human being. I really need a hug right now. I really, I really need a drink of water right now. And he said that the key to a successful race relationship postpartum is to express your needs lovingly to your partner. And then as a partner to lovingly respond mm-hmm. when your partner expresses their needs. So say, I just really have had a hard day with the baby. I know you just had a long day at work, but is there any way that sometime tonight you can take the baby for an hour and I can go shower and just lie down and regroup and reconnect with myself? Um, asking that in a loving way like that. And maybe not just saying, I had the worst day. Here's the baby. I'm, I'm taking mm-hmm. off. You know, sometimes that may happen, but but loving. But if you have that, that good need, foundation, then yeah. that's, I mean, Joel come home um, and, and he'll... Gosh, hold on a second. No, you're fine. I don't I mention know, names. So yeah. I know. I, I almost mentioned one too. And I was like, yeah. okay, how can I describe this? Yep. <laughs> it's so hard. Sometimes um, my husband will come home and he just he just has to look one, you know, just really quick, yes, assess yes. the situation. He's like, can we get a kiss? Kids, kids, for your own safety, let's get away from mom. Come here. You know what I mean? But it's just, it's been years and years of developing I'm that relationship developing that. where he knows like that, that he sees yeah. the... <laughs> But postpartum, it's new. It's a mm-hmm. new baby. Exactly. You're getting used to this new creature. And this is a totally new experience mm-hmm. for Oh, and the other thing you. is, you're not a bad mom if you don't want to touch your baby 24-7. Exactly. exactly. I mean, people, the old, the old ladies, they're like, oh, treasure it because it's not going to last. And I'm like, are you? Oh, that's a point. If you say treasure it because it's not going to last, it means <laughs> four hours of babysitting. Overnight with the baby. <laughs> Knock it off. Yeah, I think there is one that says like unsolicited advice equals like yeah, but that one time care that of the one particularly bothered me. Yeah. And and before I figured I out that. that my balance is some work and some motherhood, yeah. um, that one gave me a lot of guilt. Right. Because here I was holding this baby, but really I just wanted to vacuum the living room floor yeah. or clean my fridge. Yes. And right? this baby wouldn't let me put it down, and then the guilt, like it's only gonna be small for, you know, and then I just you weren't enjoying it. Nope. You were in an emotional Mm-mm. place to enjoy Mm-mm. that because you had other things that, that you needed to attend yeah. to first. And that's okay. We need to to know ourselves and know what our needs are. And, you know, hey, honey, yeah. I just, I'm really stressed out right now because mm-hmm. the baby has been really demanding today. Is there any way tonight you could help me fold the laundry and just get the kitchen clean? So in the morning, I start with just a fresh, calm environment and I can go about my day better. I think expressing our needs, yeah. you know, like my husband is a very touchy-feely person. 
and he loves hugs and kisses. I'm more of like a verbal person. <laughs> but going throughout the day with a newborn that's breastfeeding eight to You're twelve like, times don't a day. Touch me. Yeah, like anymore. I just don't feel I forget to hug him after we've had babies. And so if he would come to me and just say, I just really need a hug. Can from you just you. put your finger on my yeah. nose? Just yeah, touch yeah. touch me on the <laughs> top on my nose. Just put your your finger on my nose right here. I just need, you know, my button press. Yes. And, and then I'll be good. I think we need, if we can communicate those things and then be aware when your partner is expressing a need, a strong relationship is you, you know, um, lovingly responding to them mm -hmm. as best as you can. So I think yeah. that's really crucial. Yeah. Yeah. My husband, sometimes I'll be like, I can't touch you, but I will sit on you. So. <laughs> that counts. That it totally, counts. for to him, he's like, person, it's he's like, like, amazing. Oh, like yeah, <laughs> just sit, sit on him. Yep. So one last question. Um, what do you see as the birth profession? Where are we going as 15 years ago, birth professionals compared to what the industry, what the profession looks like now? I'm just want to hear your thoughts on that. You know, I think it's going to be really exciting. I think it kind of goes, um, we have to look at, you know, all the information that's out there. Um, expecting families have information at their fingertips, coupled with really busy schedules. Um, you know, our workforce um, hours are looking so much different than they did yeah. 20 years ago. We've got flex time. We have um, families that travel a lot for work um, and we have working from home. And so to meet the needs, the childbirth education needs, I just think that we need to be flexible. So like one thing that I'm seeing um, really a lot of success right now with is my private childbirth classes. I have a lot of people that can't make a traditional six-week course work for their schedule. And so they will have me come in for you know, four hours or I'll go in and do two sessions with them in their home or they mm -hmm. come to my home and we tailor it to the information that they're wanting. And that so the information is becoming very customized, very, it is. very yes. individualized. They know mm -hmm. what they want. They are very directed in the information that they are seeking because they've already done a lot of research and reading and they kind of know, okay, I really want to practice some natural coping techniques or I really want to work on a birth plan because my first experience wasn't great. Or can you help me prepare for a cesarean birth? I know that that's in the, in the cards. So we can customize and that's, and that's been awesome. So I think I think we're going to see a lot more customized um, classes. I think online classes, or maybe even some virtual type online classes, or maybe you're in a class but you're telecommuting to that class. If that makes sense, I think we're going to see that um, as well. So it's going to be exciting to see where where things take us. But I think at the heart of it is we just have to be in tune with yeah with um, the generation that are having babies and what their needs are yeah. and, and what they're wanting. So. Very cool. Thank you so much. Thank oh. you for your stories. So how do people find out more about you? Well, I am wanting to be a really big resource for people and helping people find good, reliable, evidence-based information. So they can find me on Instagram at babyyourbump is my Instagram profile. Post a lot of uh, good resources and info for expecting and also new parents on there. And then my website is babyyourbump.com. That's cute. About, I know. I it's love perfect it. perfect for the postpartum. My sister yeah. named it. My sister thought of that. She gets kudos you get for that. Baby your bump. Exactly. That's exactly. awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank, thank you, you again. again. Wonderful. Please visit us at birthcircle.com, join our Facebook groups, or find us on Instagram and Pinterest. We hope you'll use our resources to support your birthing experience. And thank you to LaunchPod Media, who produces these podcasts.